1: Yourself.
2: You All right. Hi there. I am Carol Jurgensen Sheets, aka Carol the Coach, and this is a show for sex addicts and partners of sex addicts to talk about what is going on in their life. You know, it can get very scary when you're dealing with this kind of disorder and there's so much shame around it that it can be difficult for the sex addict and or the partner to know how to deal with it. So I am so happy to be with you tonight to talk about how do you deal with sex addiction and if you love somebody who's a sex addict, what do you do? How do you navigate through that? You know, when do you trust your intuition? What do you need? And let's face it, that in and of itself can be very difficult. I mean, so many people just are not clear as to how to proceed. So I am your expert resident therapist. I'm a life coach. And I just want to get you through this process. And so I am very pleased to be talking with you today. Absolutely. And when you are struggling, you can always give us a call at 646-595-3284 and I'll be available to help you and at least give you some information that I think will be helpful. You ultimately get to make the decision whether you're the sex addict or whether you're the partner of a sex addict, it's all up to you. So I just want you to know that we're here to help, and that's uh, what this show is all about. It's Sex Help with Carol the Coach. So I have a caller. Um, Welcome to the Sex Help with Carol the Coach show. Uh, Your name is? Shannon. Shannon. Nice to talk with you, Shannon. Tell me, what, what made you call the show tonight?
3: Well, Carol, I just, I don't know how to get through the day. Um, I just recently found pictures on the internet of my husband, and I don't—I don't know
2: what to do. Now, when you say pictures, I'm assuming that was pornographic pictures. Yes. Okay, so you must be feeling. Absolutely, like you're in shock. Of course you don't know what to do. Um, have you talked to him
3: about it? Yes, he says that they're not pictures of him, but they are.
2: Okay, so it looks like he might be lying to you so that you will have no idea that he really is participating in something that you had no idea about.
3: Did you tell him? Um, Did you honest- say, hey,
2: I know these are your pictures of you
3: yes I did um i went in his computer and I found that he was on a dating site Mm -hmm. and I found texts with people that I don't I don't know the numbers to but he's been meeting them and and he he says that I'm wrong that that misunderstanding and that I just want to make a big deal out of something that's not.
2: Yeah, you know, certainly I don't know you and I don't know your husband, but what I do know to be true is that when wives of sex addicts find this kind of uh, paraphernalia on the phone or on the laptop and they see pictures, there's indication of text numbers, Most oftentimes, the sex addicts will initially deny that. Um, They don't want you to discover that. Deep down inside, they think that this is something they can quit, and they probably have told themselves that a thousand times. But what I believe is so confusing is that in them denying the reality of what's really going on, it kind of makes you feel crazy. And you know what? You are not crazy. You found these things. You were brave enough to confront him. And now the important thing is not to believe his lies, but to realize that he has a very serious problem. And I'm wondering, do you know anything about sex addiction?
3: I don't. Uh, I've yeah, never even so heard of it before. First thing
2: I, you know, is I would obviously continue to listen to this podcast because we're going to give you information. And we have uh, a YouTube channel out there specifically for partners of sex addicts. And there are some great books that you can begin to read so that it will normalize some of your feelings because most women that I work with you know, they find this out, they're devastated, they're angry, they're scared, and more often than not, they're sitting there thinking, I hate him, but I love him. What in the world do I do? Have you have you had those feelings before?
3: I do. I just, I, I want him to come. I wait and I wait and I wait, and the minute he walks in, they just hate him.
2: Yeah, I am not surprised at all. And those feelings, you know, you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster. And so, the most important thing that you can do for you right now is to find some safety in an unsafe situation. And that means that you have to find some people that you can talk to. And I've got to tell you, uh, there are organizations that work specifically with partners. Of sex addicts and and that's the beautiful thing they know what you've been through, and they can guide you through that I actually um, i I'm on the board for APSATS, and that is a partner trauma specialist organization that realizes that when a woman experiences this, oftentimes what happens is they go into overdrive, and they don't know what they think, and and it affects their brain so that they start thinking, what is wrong with me? I can't think. I can't speak right. He's confusing me. I'm doubting myself. And when your brain goes offline like that, it's important to be with people who can help you to figure out what can you do to keep yourself safe and to get the right kind of treatment. Um, you don't want to just go to anybody because truly, not every counselor, not every coach knows how to handle this kind of situation. And I got to tell you, this organization, APSATS, it stands for the Association of Partners of Sex Addict Trauma Specialists, and they are trained to help you with your kind of problems. So, tell me a little bit about your symptomatology. I mean. Are you feeling more than angry? Are you feeling anxious? Is your heart racing? What's going on?
3: Well, I got lost going to school, going to pick the kids up to school today. Um, and and I've gone there for six years, but I, I didn't know where I was. And I had to pull over and, and look on, on an app to find my way there. I'm not sleeping I'm throwing up three or four times a day. Um, my chest hurts. I feel like I can't breathe. Everything makes me cry. Or when the kids are getting on my nerves, I just want to rage. I, mm-hmm. I think I am going crazy.
2: Well, the good news is you're not going crazy. And I said it's a brain kind of disorder. I mean, it this has impacted how you're able to function. And you know what? There's this thing in the back of your brain called the amygdala, and that when he did this to you, when you saw those things, it was so incomprehensible that you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And, you know, many times the partners we we talk to, they either A, feel hyper-vigilant, they start researching everything, they start checking phones, they start listening for conversations. They do anything they can to protect themselves, or they go into depression mode, and they can't get off the couch, and they can't think, and they feel like they can't function. And so with you throwing up and with you experiencing that kind of anxiety and anger, it's really important for you to take care of yourself. Now, tell me a little bit about how do you practice self-care? You know, if this hadn't happened and I had said to you, hey, what do you do to take care of yourself?
3: What would you tell me? Well, I get about six hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. Um i um I keep my house clean and me feel good mm-hmm. um, i I like to take baths um, i don't I don't know what else I have four kids i i'm I'm pretty busy
2: well, I am impressed with those resources because taking nice, long, hot baths, and keeping yourself busy. You know, when you can't control your life, being able to control your house can really help. So cleaning is a wonderful avenue to make you feel like you do have a little bit of control. And then I'm going to recommend a couple of books that I think are wonderful for this kind of situation. Now, you you haven't read anything?
3: No, my therapist that I have now, she says I should just leave him.
2: Okay. So I haven't
3: read anything.
2: There is this great book called My Sexually Addicted Spouse by Dr. Barbara Steffens and Marcia Means. And it is a, a wonderful book because it describes to anybody who's been through what we call this discovery It describes all the things that you're probably feeling and what you need to do to stay true to yourself and what kind of boundaries you need to practice so that you stay safe.
1: And it
2: even goes into situations down the road. If things are not better, you might need a separation just to kind of clear your mind and get your thoughts together and stay safe. Um, So I would highly recommend that book for you. Uh, And I want you to go to somebody who is trained in this situation. Like I said, APSATS is a wonderful organization. If you go to APSATS.org and you look up under the directory and you put your zip code in or your city, it will pull up people that can help you. They will either be clinicians who can help you in treatment, or there'll be coaches who will actually guide you towards needed resources. And here's what I know to be true. You know, clinicians are wonderful to help you heal from all all the reactions you're having. And then coaches, well, you can work with a coach anywhere in the world who has this expertise. And they can guide and direct you, and you can do that by phone or by something called Zoom, which is like Skype, or with online groups. So there really are some resources for you. I'm so glad you called tonight. I want you to look into some of these resources. I want you to get yourself an APSATS trained counselor or coach, And then I want you to call me back and keep me posted as to how you're doing, okay?
3: Okay. Thank you so much for talking to me.
2: You're welcome. And what I know to be true is that you will feel better when you get linked up to the right resources. This is a process, but you're not in it alone, and we're going to keep you linked up to people that can help.
3: Okay. Thank you. Uh
2: Uh-huh. You have a good day. Bye. Well, you know, that could be very, very difficult for her because clearly she is traumatized by what she discovered. It is hard to to see pictures on your husband's phone and to know that he has called in and, and chatted with other women. It is such a betrayal. And when that happens to you, really, your brain can go offline for a while until you get to the resources that will help you to feel safe and kind of help you to organize your thoughts. We have another caller. It looks like her name is Jen. Jen, welcome to the Sex Help with Carol the Coach show.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your situation.
4: Well, um, I discovered that my husband was... um, He at first thought he was sexting with people, and then I later on found out it was much, much more, and it included uh, paid services of all kinds, um, pornography, a whole bunch of stuff, Carol.
2: Oh, boy. Well, Well, tell me, who is there for you that can help you kind of navigate through these issues?
4: Mom, well, thank you for asking that. I think I have a bunch of friends. Uh-huh. Um, I have to be selective about the friends that I have. To be honest, I really do have to be selective about that um, because mm-hmm. not all the friends I have are the right ones for me. Um, I have... Yeah, not everybody is
2: going to understand this situation. and They may no. even want you to leave him immediately. You know, this is such a shock to people. This is such a betrayal to you, Jen.
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Our pastor has been pretty amazing. He's been awesome. Yeah. And eventually it took me some time and some digging, but we have found some help. Professional help.
2: that, That is absolutely incredible. So, what would you like me to help you with tonight?
4: Well, I was wondering, because my triggers are so bad, Carol, honestly, um, I'm wondering if hypnosis might help me. So can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Well, yes. Now let me explain to our listening audience that when Jen talks about triggers, she is talking about um, situations that may actually reflect a memory, a flashback, a color, a song, um, just even the tone of her husband's voice may activate uh, a central nervous system response where she feels panicky and her heart races or her stomach aches or she feels restless and may not know what to do. Now, that's, that's a trigger you can actually figure out, wow, that happened because he said to me, don't call me a liar. And that was the same thing he told me the night that I discovered that he was having problems. There's another kind of trigger that's unconscious. And what I always say is there are three parts of the brain. There is the conscious part of the brain, that tells us what to do and what to know. And then there's the subconscious part of the brain, and that is the part that we oftentimes have information that we file, and when we need it, we're able to bring it back up. And then there's the unconscious part of the brain, and sometimes when things have been really difficult, we will store information in the unconscious because we don't want to deal with it. And hypnosis actually works with all three parts of the brain, and so Jen, you're wondering if hypnosis can help you with the triggers. Now, let me ask you what what would you like to happen with the triggers in general what what would be What would be healthier for you?
1: Oh,
4: what a good question. I would like to not freak out when it happens because everything that you described is bang on. It's perfect. And when that happens, I don't actually want to have those reactions anymore because I don't behave in a way that I want to with my husband. So I want to be a different person, I want to be authentic, and I want to be in line with my values.
2: Well, I think those are all very good goals. Can I ask you, you said I don't want to freak out, and so it sounds like you don't want that parasympathetic, nervous system to go offline, you really want to feel in control of your body and your breathing and your thoughts and your feelings. Is that correct?
4: Oh, yeah. That's a control freak in me.
2: Uh-huh. Understandably. And then in this kind of situation really activates that need for control. Now, you said mm-hmm. there's times that you don't really like the way you behave. Describe that. Tell me a little bit more about that.
4: Oh, gosh. Um, I have acted... um, Oh, I've gone into rages. Mm -hmm. Um, I have said things that I don't want to say, including swearing, because that's not me. I have... um, Am I okay if I... I don't want to trigger anybody listening to your amazing call, but um, I actually no, please, smashed go ahead, into it my husband's car. Yeah, awesome Thank you. No, I smashed into my husband's car. Mm. On purpose. Because I hey, felt tell trapped. Tell me about that.
1: What happened?
4: Yeah, I felt trapped. It wasn't him. I mean, it was because of him and his actions. But... In the moment, it was my reaction to feeling trapped and, you know, that, that trauma response where I can't get out, I'm panicked, that type of thing, and uh-huh. he was backing out of our driveway, I was in front of him, and he couldn't get out of the driveway because of traffic. Not because of me, uh-huh. <laughs> because of traffic. And I purposely and forcefully rammed my car back into him Mm -hmm. to get him out of my way. So I share this story, not out of pride by any means, Mm -hmm. um, somewhat out of regret, but mostly out of knowing that it was my trauma response. And I don't want to keep acting like that ever again.
2: Well, I know that had to have scared you after you saw what that rage and that trauma response could do. You've probably never in your entire life been violent or been that physically aggressive. And oftentimes partners do. Their fight, flight, or freeze mechanism in their brain makes them want to fight. The impatience of waiting on him and and just being angry in general and so I hear that you want to be authentic, and you want to show up in life like the woman you were before this trauma response happened. Is that correct? And that's, that's oh, what you're wanting to know about hypnosis. Absolutely, Carol. Mm-hmm. Yes,
4: absolutely. I want the hypnosis to take that part of me away, that violent, non-gen, Part of me away. I would love that, Carol.
2: Well, I do believe, Jen, that that is a possibility. Now, you would need to find a, a therapist who, A, did a real good job of helping you just to feel safe and stable and to give you a variety of resources probably some mindfulness exercises, some breathing exercises. And then what you'd really have to do is talk with that hypnotherapist. And I don't say hypnotist, because a hypnotist is not qualified to deal with trauma or clinical issues. But a hypnotherapist can. So you'd want to find a hypnotherapist who actually specialized in trauma. And then you'd want to give that hypnotherapist a really good picture of who you wanted to show up to be and what you wish would be gone. Now, what we know to be true is that when you do that, when you're able to really give a clear picture of what you want in your life, you can, under hypnosis, create that picture Mm -hmm. Create that feeling and create that experience. And in doing that in an altered state can oftentimes make it more readily available when you need it in real life. So hypnotherapy can work for trauma, but what I urge anybody to do who's listening to the show is to make sure that they seek a trauma specialist who also does hypnosis, who does hypnotherapy, and I wouldn't ever want them to go and Google hypnotist because that is somebody who could take advantage of the situation. And you, you've already been taken advantage of enough. I don't want you to risk the chance of getting in with a professional who does not know
4: what he or she is doing. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it really is amazing. And and here's what I'm really appreciative that has to do with you, Jen, is that your life feels very out of control right now. And mm-hmm. one of the things that happens when you've discovered your husband's infidelity and his acting out and his outlandish behaviors that partner betrayal it can leave you feeling very out of control. And one of the things we know about hypnosis is that it works with about 65% of the general population. And for the 35% that it doesn't work for, it's because they don't want to give up control. And so I hear you asking about it, which says to me that even though you said I'm a control freak and that I – I like things to be a certain way, Um, you are willing to do what it takes to feel better and to give up some of that control as long as the hypnotherapist, the trauma specialist can make you feel safe and give you the skills to do that. Is that correct?
4: Oh, you are bang on. When you describe the difference between a hypnotherapist versus a hypnotist, you nailed it, you nailed it, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed.
2: Well, thank you know what? You are so welcome, and what i'm going to ask you to do is, after you've kind of done your research and really interviewed a potential uh, treatment specialist, a hypnotherapist, I want you to call us back and let us know how that worked for you. Just because I have never done a show on that, and yet, believe it or not, Jen, I am a hypnotherapist. So that's why I know so much about oh! and so That's awesome. And I'm a trauma specialist because I have been credentialed. I have been certified through APSATS. And APSATS, again, is an amazing organization that has made it their mission help partners of sexual addiction and so you combine the two and you've got people that really understand what it's like to be a partner of a sex addict and and we are trauma specialists so i wish you the best of luck you call back you can always email me at carol at carolthecoach.com um we want to make sure you get to the right place so thank you so much for your call
4: Thank you for taking my call, Carol. Thank you. Uh
2: Uh-huh. I wish you the best. This is a hard thing. It takes a long time to get over, but I promise you if you do the work, you'll be stronger as a result.
4: And thank you for that.
2: All right. Have a great night.
4: You too. Thank you.
2: All right. Well, as you could see, Jen has been through a lot, and she's willing to do what it takes to make a difference in her life. She's willing to to seek treatment outside of the box and, and to think about hypnosis. And, again, go to a trauma specialist and make sure they're a hypnotherapist and not a hypnotist. All right, we have another call on the line Her name is Evelyn. Evelyn, how are you doing tonight?
0: Hey, Carol. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I already feel a little better. I've had a pretty rough day and evening, so I'm happy to um, speak to you tonight.
2: Well, tell me a little bit about what's going on. What, What made it so rough?
0: Well... Uh, my husband is a sex addict, and it's been—it's been something I've been dealing with for a while, and it just seems to have gone from bad to worse. And um, just when I thought it was as bad as it could get, it unbelievably got worse. And um, aside from my children or grandchildren being, you know, um, mistreated, this is the worst thing that could happen in a marriage. Honestly, not in life, but in a marriage. Uh, the worst betrayal ever, and it's been just about unfathomable for me. I I just about have not survived it. Um, I never, ever dreamed something like this would happen to me, Um, only in movies, and then barely then, you know, so I needed to reach out.
2: Well, I appreciate that, and you used the right term because you said betrayal, and so... Are you saying that you and your husband have been working on this for a while and then for whatever reason just recently it looks like it's gotten worse again?
0: Yes. Um we've been through this before and he was supposedly in recovery, but I knew it wasn't legitimate. It was very superficial. He wasn't uh really devoted to it and then of course it just it never he was never even in recovery going through the motions, you know. And, um, then lately he started back again. Um, when I was going to leave, I said, you know, uh, you know, he never really quit. Now, you know, it started off with porn like everyone else pretty much and had progressed to prostitution before I met him, which I didn't know all of this, you know, obviously until after we were married. And then, so that was so devastating. And, um, So he started recovery again, and he really is working it well from what I can see. Um, He has a sponsor. He's going to um, a CSTAT. He's going to meetings and to church and has an accountability partner and all that, and he's really making the effort. He goes to meetings and whatnot like about, well, almost every day, every night out of the week. Um, However i still had an inkling i just uh, something wasn't right and then i started noticing phone logs and little innuendos that i didn't notice originally you know the it's the little things you find you get a slight little inkling and then you blow it off well i have discovered that he and my um, daughter have been communicating a lot via telephone and um texting and things like that and uh you know, they swear that's all there is to it, of course. But a stepdaughter and stepfather should never communicate via cell phone or texting, especially when the mom-slash-wife doesn't know about it. And, um, you know, every day I just find more detailed things about it and um, just stumbling upon it. And, uh, yeah, I um, just it just about killed me, honestly, so...
2: Well, you know, one of the things that I know to be true is that clearly when you are trying to recover from this kind of partner betrayal, um, you're really hyper vigilant. You're really watching to see what is out of the norm. And so now all of a sudden, since you've been checking logs and things like that, you see something that doesn't seem right, it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right. And that is that he's talking to to his stepdaughter, correct? Yes. And so can you tell me what is your deepest fear? You know, maybe it's not yeah. happening, but what's your fear?
0: Well, the fear altogether is that, well, that I can't hardly tolerate this. I certainly can't see myself... Um, ever forgiving or forgetting this and it's the people i trusted the most that it's the just the feeling of the hurt and and the fear is that i cannot handle this i'm pretty much over the fear of um him relapsing because you know of course he never really was in recovery obviously but and that was sure. always a fear you know do i forgive him do i stay with him because in the back of my mind i was always afraid He's not really in recovery. He's going to hurt me again, and I can't do this. And then what will I do? You know, where you know, just everything will be in shambles. And so I always had that fear to begin with, and trying to handle all this and have you know some kind of stability mentally, and then be afraid. In addition to that, every day, every single day is just not a. It which shows goes to show how important counseling is. You know.
2: Well, absolutely. Now, may I ask, how old is your daughter?
0: She just turned 30.
2: Okay. And so, is your fear that they're talking about you, or do you think that he's grooming her? I mean, what's your fear I, there?
0: Well, I know, well, I really believe, well, I know, you know, for some from some of the things I've seen, that there at least was an and emotional affair which is horrible and looking back um, she was actually living with us for a little while actually while we were planning our wedding and Uh uh, the little signs you know once I saw a little something that made me think hmm then I immediately dismissed it because it was just so subtle and I had no reason to believe it I wasn't paranoid I wasn't watching or looking but it's something I just noticed, and I blew it off and um uh-huh. he's a sex addict he will he loves he's very grandiose uh he loves attention from women it's also um it fuels his egotistical personality if he has a much younger female um and just you know like i said, he just loves attention and so does she. She has been known to be very promiscuous and pretty much use men that way to gain monetary things. She has a major personality disorder and has no um remorse, you know, very antisocial. You put those two together and, you know, not a good combination.
2: Well, yeah, and I could really see where it doesn't feel safe for sure and you know, obviously, a sex addict who doesn't keep you informed about what he's doing, who he's talking to, and obviously personal conversations with your daughter, I mean, that's holding a secret. And a sex addict okay. has to be 100% transparent and authentic. And so here you found this information that they're doing some talking and. Of course it's going to trigger you and make you wonder what is going on behind your back.
0: Right, Carol. And, you know, it's never really appropriate at all to know that a stepfather and an adult stepdaughter are communicating at all. There's really no reason why there should be texting and and calling, you know, especially not to this degree. Now, I could see once in a while she or he reaching out to the other saying, hey, you know, I've I've, try, I've been trying to reach your mom or whatever, you know, I'm not, she's not answering. Have you spoken to her? You know, maybe that once in a while. And if that's the case, I would have heard about it. But not off and on like this for over a year and hiding it from me is, of course, something wrong. And they both still deny it. I've shown them proof. Um, and uh, amazingly, when they can even look in black and white at a phone bill, they still deny it, which is another thing that makes it so hard for me. It's infuriating to me. The dis- well, yeah, reset- that
2: indicates on some level that he is oh. not in any good recovery because truly it is not unusual for an addict mm-hmm. to deny and to lie, but that's mm-hmm. an addict that's not in recovery because when right. they're in recovery – They are 100% transparent. They do want to build trust. They may not want to speak of something, the truth, but they're willing to do it because they want to be the person that you can eventually trust. So I can see why this has been an incredibly hard day for you. Now, let me just ask you something else. Um, Okay. Who have you gone to for support? Because, I don't want you to be isolated. I want you to have some resources to get you through these kind of hard times.
0: Well, obviously I haven't been um assertive enough in that. I I have spoken to you and gotten some really good feedback in the past and um listening to your podcast and, and so forth, you know, has been the most I have done but has been Extremely helpful, and that's why I'm talking to you now. But no, I haven't been um, really assertive enough in taking care of myself.
2: Because I, I, in no way, am I encouraging you to leave him. But one of the things I know is when somebody's not doing his work, and when he's making you feel crazy because he won't own up to whatever's going on, even if nothing's going on, he still needs to say, "Yes, we have been talking," and Mm-hmm. Yes, I enjoy being her stepfather, and you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And with him not willing to be honest, it sounds like on some level you may need a separation, whether that's a separation and you sleep in separate bedrooms, he sleeps upstairs, you sleep down, or vice versa, or maybe even where you ask him to go stay with somebody else.
0: Right. And I I, I have to tell you, that for over half of our marriage, which granted we weren't married long, but the severity of it, it makes it almost worse because it happened immediately before we even had a marriage, and because our marriage was so short already, it's most it's such a it, it monopolized the whole thing. Well, I moved to the other side of the house and um, eventually moved out. Um, was simply waiting on finances and the ability to do it that way. And, uh, you know, like I said, when you show someone something in black and white and they still deny it, which is ridiculous, um, it's not legitimate, it's not innocent. And when I first approached him about this and I told him, I said, well, why is it legitimate when you can't tell me what one call or text was about? Between the two of you, you cannot come with up with one explanation of all these this communication and you hid it from me you went through great lengths to hide it from me and now you're denying it even when i can show you proof now that just screams to me guilt and inappropriateness and that there's more there has to be more there you know um and i have moved out um we he was Okay rubbing. you have moved out yes yes Very recently, I I just, you know, sometimes there's such a thing as, you know, I've heard you say too, therapeutic separation. Uh, In my case, I don't know how therapeutic it will be in the long run um, Uh because, you know, there's just a limit for all of us.
2: Okay, and so I, I get that, you know, and I tell partners If you decide that you want to stay with somebody and live like roommates and stop being sexual and stop being romantic partners, that's absolutely okay. If it means keeping your house or keeping your family together or keeping your finances, you know, you've got to do what makes the most sense for you today and maybe next month it will be something totally different. It does right. take a lot of courage to move on. It certainly takes a, a certain amount of resources. And so right. tell me if, if, you, if I gave you that magic wand, Evelyn, mm-hmm. and I said to you, okay, this magic wand is going to change how I feel. How would you like to feel?
0: secure not betrayed you know just not not this pain i want and honestly i want someone (laughs) i want to know i want to feel that none of this has ever happened obviously but i want that pain and that that just huge feel of betrayal huge insult by two people i should trust most you know i want that to go away
2: Yeah, and what I know to be true, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that this kind of pain, when you love somebody who has betrayed you, takes a long time to get over. And so what you have to do is equalize the normal pain you're feeling with other events, people, and places that make you feel safe or make you laugh or give you some, joy may be a strong word, but give you some pleasure. And so I'm right. going to ask you, Evelyn, um, what do you enjoy doing for fun?
0: Well, um, I'm also an artist, so I do work that way. I do commissioned work, which um, I like a lot. Um, I honestly, I love coming to work. It's It's fun for me. I get along really. I have good friends here. I feel productive. It gets me out of that thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. I love to travel. and I'm getting ready to go see my son soon. He's in med school in um, New Mexico. And just being with my kids, you know, and my grandkids, except, of course, now, you know, everything's different with my daughter, unfortunately.
2: Okay, well, I'm glad that you have some of those resources. Now let me ask you, because, you know, you said travel, and unfortunately so many of the women that I work with, they're, they financially don't have the resources to, to get away like that. So if I were going to ask you to identify something that you enjoy doing that would cost you no money at all, what would you say?
0: Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I read. I used to read a lot, uh, mm-hmm. but... I have been doing a lot of research and reading on on this um I've been listening mm-hmm. to your podcast uh I enjoy informative um reading and and things like that i do I love learning um in the spring. I absolutely love gardening um and then of course my artwork, which costs a little bit, but certainly not like travelling. Uh, I love shopping, which is money again, but that's such a girl thing, you know, I don't have to buy anything, just shopping is therapeutic, well, just window shopping. Uh, My girlfriends, you know, just getting out there and talking, it gets my mind off of it, and it's very fun anyway.
2: Well, yeah, I, you know, certainly I giggle at retail therapy because so many women do depend on that, and I don't want it to get you in trouble, but... You said you like window shopping, so that's pretty harmless, and you love gardening. Now, are you in a location where you can garden year-round, or do you really have to wait till the spring and the summer?
0: Well, I'm in South Louisiana, so it's pretty much, you know, warm here all the time, so there's a lot that I can do year-round. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, because I want you to increase some of those things. And then can I ask you one last personal question? You haven't referenced this yet, but so many of the partners that I work with, they either want to forgive the addict or they want to know how to forgive themselves. They feel in some way responsible for, if not the sexual addiction, the fact that they're putting up with it, the slips and the relapses. So, are you kind and gentle with yourself, or do you tend to get down on yourself?
0: Actually, no. Thankfully, I am a pretty confident person. I always have, and I I am pretty, you know, comfortable with how I have been feeling about myself. I do not feel responsible, and I know that is a common thing. Um, but no, I do not feel responsible he is responsible. Now, I have not handled it well and in response to my fear like we spoke about and my pain, I have not handled it well and, you know, given him a lot of grief, a lot of grief and which compared to what I've been through, I don't think it matches up and it wasn't intentionally, but You know, I haven't handled it well, and I I admit that. I need to look at the whole picture. But, no, I I do not take any responsibility for it. You know, I really don't.
2: Oh, good. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like even before you were married, this was a man who had slips and relapses from the time you met him until the present. He has not been rigorously honest, and he has not done what it takes to make you feel safe and secure. Is that correct?
0: Very much so. And, you know, inappropriate behavior that I'm noticing now, um, flirtatious behavior in public where the other female and I will kind of, lock eyes and you know she can see like wow she's embarrassed for me and right away we connect and it's gotten to where it it, i didn't see that before i mean on our honeymoon he would flirt you know um he looked up prostitutes in the area that we went um before we went not that he of course would have made contact he was with me but it's just the thrill of it and it's what excites him you know it's really Mm -hmm. out of control Well, it's
2: interesting that you would say that because you're exactly right. For a lot of these sex addicts, it's not the actual sex. It's the thrill of the chase. It's the Mm -hmm. seduction. It's the anticipation. And it's the preparation. And so it sounds like he has really got this addiction bad. And and I don't know what he's doing. I mean, you said he is going to meetings and he does Mm -hmm. see a CSAT and for our listening audience, that's a certified sexual addictions therapist. I'm one of those too, and so one of the great things I know is that we have specialized training in treating sex addicts. But if the addict doesn't really want to get healthy, if he's not really ready to give up his addiction, if he's doing it to get everybody off his back, It will never work, no matter how good your therapist or doctor is. It will never get better until they're really ready to do 100% of the work to get healthy. And he just, Evelyn, he doesn't sound like he's there.
0: No, and, you know, his history has not been good, which I know more of now. Um, You know, having unprotected sex with prostitutes and then not, you know, revealing that to relationships. Um, with innocent women, you know, I mean, I can't imagine something so selfish. And um, I have to tell you, one of the biggest things that, you know, that has happened is, um, and I don't know the the logistics with this. I mean, my daughter has a significant other, but she's pregnant, you know, and there's always a part of me that's going to, you know, doubt Um, the paternity of this baby, which I may be just kind of, you know, just beating myself up over that. It's very unlikely, I think, but it's always on the back of my mind, and uh, it's just really been rough, really rough.
2: Well, here's what I believe. I believe that partners of sex addicts are incredibly intuitive, and they have, even though you're, you know, you're, brain has kind of gone offline with the ongoing trauma, my feeling is you know what you think, you know how you feel, and you know what you know. And Mm -hmm. so when she has this baby, you will be able to know whether that's his or not. I really Mm -hmm. trust your intuition. You sound very bright. We have talked before in the past. Um, Yes. So, you know, what I want to say to you is don't live fear of the future today because you don't want to occupy that rent free but when she right. has this baby you'll know if it's your husband's or not i promise you you'll be yeah. able to you may doubt yourself but you'll be able to tell
0: yeah i i kind of think so I, I certainly hope so either way it will give me some kind of um peace you know
2: to know, because you've he, spoken like a true partner. A lot of times I talk to partners mm. and they go, you know what, I can handle anything. I just want it to be honest and I want it to be the truth.
0: Yes, yeah, the not knowing. It's just the not knowing that that's the most difficult to, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I really admire your strength. And as we end for today, I want to ask you, to identify three personality strengths that you have, that you own, that are within you. They're not your role. They're not that you're a good teacher or whatever. They're not that you're attractive. They are things you like about yourself. Give me three adjectives that help to describe you.
0: Okay. Well... I've always been very independent. I I can be, and I have been always. um, Mm -hmm. You know, single mother, often with three children, and doing it myself with a career. So I do have that um, part of my personality that I'm grateful for. That I can be that way. Um, Another thing is I like adventure and meeting new people. So if I find out. The You know, more about the fact that I just can't stay here and I need to get away. I, I'm i easily adaptable to, to change, and I like it. Um, so that's a good thing because I very well may need sure. to do that. The last thing is I'm very comfortable with new people. I love making new friends. I love meeting new people, and I, I'm comfortable with that. And so that's a big help as well.
2: Okay, so as we end, I want you to grab a post-it note, and after we end the show, I want you to write down that you're independent, you're adventuresome, you're adaptable, you're strong, you're friendly, and you're social. And even though you don't feel like it, I'm going to say that from our conversation today, I also pick up that you're resilient. And I want you to write those things down to remind you that no matter what happens to you, you will get through this, and you can be stronger as a result. And you let me know how you're doing. Feel free to call the show and and keep us posted. We wanna we wanna hear how things go when you have this new baby and and right. um, you know how if you're able to honor your boundaries in the way that you'd like to. Okay.
0: I certainly will. Thank you so much for your input. It's very helpful, and I will certainly do what you recommend, and I'll keep you posted for sure.
2: All right, Evelyn, you have a great night, and um, I look forward to hearing the updates. You take care.
0: You as well. Thank you, Carol. Uh-huh. Well, Bye. as you
2: can tell, each mm-hmm. one of our callers tonight had some significant issues that they wanted to work on. And they ranged from being traumatized to doing things they couldn't believe they would ever do, raging and being angry and, and aggressive. And then, of course, Evelyn talking about the fact that her husband may have fathered a child with her daughter. Um, unfortunately, sexual addiction is a condition that can get very out of control. It progresses And it never stays in one place. So if you're a sex addict, I want you to get yourself to a certified sexual addictions therapist. You can go to sexhelp.com, put in your zip code, your state or your country, and find out who's available to help you. And again, if you're a partner, I want you to go to the website AppSATS. That's capital
4: A-P-S-A-T-S
2: dot org. And that stands for the Association of Partner of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. I happen to be one of each, and these are two organizations that I really believe in when dealing with sexual addiction partner trauma. So I will talk to you next week as I end every show. I say, there'll only be one of you at all times, so I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself. And since we talked exclusively to partners tonight, I want you to come up with 50 personality adjectives that remind you of your own inherent strength, even when you don't feel so strong. You're going through a lot, you've been through a lot. And you will get through this with the right resources. I'm Carol the Coach, and I'm very glad to have been able to help you tonight. And we'll see you next week.